Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Soul Summit Podcast. This uh, this next episode is going to be with my husband, Dustin Preeti. And uh, I feel like there's so much context needed to be given before this episode as to one, why we're recording with me in Oregon and him in Sitka. Uh, Dustin has been in the military. He's in the Coast Guard and he's currently stationed up in Sitka, Alaska. So I kind of bounce back between Oregon and Alaska and he's up there pretty much full time. So we're recording after his recent goat hunt and uh, as a recap to our sheep hunt, uh, which just hit YouTube on the Her Outdoor Journey YouTube channel. Uh, you can find that. But we also get to hear about his sheep hunt from this earlier this year. He actually drew a tag. There was only one of six tags in this Chugach area that he was in. And so he recaps that and how he was able to actually tag his biggest ram to date. So he's pretty excited about that. And it's always fun to just talk with him and get his perspectives on things. And I feel like so much of our normal life is talking about hunting in the outdoors and adventure. And so it's kind of just a natural conversation for us. So it's a little bit more casual in the way where we're just sharing opinions and thoughts uh, again, and then just recapping that hunt and hearing about his excitement in the Sheep Mountains this year. Uh, But I think that you'll enjoy this. It's just kind of a fun perspective and uh, shout out to all of you military families not getting to uh, spend all of your days together. Um, Certainly appreciate all who have served and uh, just want to say thank you for all of the sacrifice that goes out for that. Um, we're looking forward to Dustin getting to retire here very soon. In fact, we're waiting to hear back on his retirement letter. So be sending us your good thoughts. We can't wait to have him home and get to spend a little bit more time together out doing the things that we love. So tune in to today's episode, learn all about his Alaska sheep hunt, our Alaska sheep hunt together this year, as well as his goat hunt, which was a super cool story. And he also contrasts the difference between um, having spent, you know, years being stationed in Kodiak and now being stationed in Sitka and how those two are vastly different and what the hunting is like in each one of those places. So without further ado, here we go. Are you ready to join us on the experience of a lifetime? Pack your bags and get ready for this bucket list adventure in Sitka, Alaska. You show up and we'll take care of the rest. This seven day all-inclusive vacation will have you fishing world-class water, hiking some of the most beautiful parts of Alaska and kayaking through cascading mountains. Wake up and watch the whales from our luxurious home in the glow of the sunrise. Soak in this experience with a small group of passionate outdoor women and your private guides. Plan for fun-filled adventure by day and relaxing in the evenings in our stunning house hidden on our private beach. Register by November 18th and not only will you save $500 on your dream vacation booking, but we'll also donate $500 to a fellow outdoor junkie, Christine Capan, as she's in the fight of her life with stage four metastatic breast cancer. 
Go to heroutdoorjourney.com forward slash Alaska for more details on the trip and how your Alaska bucket list adventure can help this incredible woman beat cancer. That's www.heroutdoorjourney.com forward slash Alaska. Today's episode is also brought to you by Maven Optics. If you haven't checked out Maven yet, you're missing out. Maven offers award-winning optics sold direct with no middleman and no retail markup. Head to mavenbuilt.com to check out their products from rangefinders with 4,500 yard ranging capabilities to introductory binoculars and their award-winning scopes. Use the code soulsummit-gift to get a little something extra just for listening to the podcast. That's mavenbuilt.com. Sawyer's line of water filtration products offers clean water solutions for any situation. From adventures in your favorite spot to traveling through remote quarters of the world, Sawyer set the standard for water filtration. These long lasting high performance water filters start at just two ounces, which means you don't have to sacrifice weight in your pack on your off-grid outings. Head to Sawyer.com to see their full lineup of products or visit your local Bass Pro, Cabela's, REI, Shields, or Sportsman's Warehouse. Don't have a store close to you? You can find them on Amazon or locate a store near you by heading to Sawyer.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Summit Podcast. Lucky me, I'm joined today by my handsome husband, uh, who's currently up in Sitka, Alaska, but welcome to the show, babe. Thank you. Uh, in, in the hot seat. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You thought I was going to ask you about our trip to Alaska and what that hunt was like, but this could be anything. How I got to go. How much beer did you bring? Not enough. Not enough. What's up with your life these days? Hectic. Get, just getting over some hunting season, kind of. My hunting season's winding down, and yours is still going, so I'm a little jealous of that. Well, you're the one that's sending me to Kodiak, so you can't really be jealous. Well, I am. That's a pretty awesome spot to go hunt. Well, tell us about what your season has been like. And uh, for those who are listening in, uh, Dustin was on a previous episode, episode 84. Um, And in that episode, he and I recapped the moose hunt that we did last year, that fly-in moose hunt with Gabe. Um, And that's been a pretty popular episode. A lot of people really want to just hunt moose. Um, And it's, it's cool because we were able to talk about what it looked like for us in budgeting that trip. Um, which I think really made people realize like, Hey, this is a lot more doable than kind of what I had anticipated. Uh, but walk us through what kind of your season has looked like so far. Um, also for those of you who might not know, Dustin is currently stationed up in Sitka. And so you are getting to, to hunt some different country. I think kind of February was pretty awesome. I drew a shoe gas sheep tag. So I've been put in for 11 years for sheep tags for Alaska draws. And this is the first year I've drawn. So it was pretty nice to be able to go sheep hunting and be able to tell people where you're going sheep hunting. Like it wasn't a secret. So that's the big thing with sheep hunting is like, Oh, you don't talk about it. But people are like, where are you going? I'm like Peter's Creek. I don't care if you know, cause I'll never draw it again. So that's where I'm going. So it was super, there was good and bad of the draw. You know, there was things I enjoyed like that. Just being able to talk about it and tell people and not care. Like, yeah, this is where I'm going, this is where I'm going to hunt, exactly, like, there's no hiding it, um, sheep hunters are very secretive of what their spots are, especially hiking areas and stuff like that, so, <clears throat> that was a nice change, being able to draw a sheep tag, and this year, 
a little worried with the numbers. Uh, we had a bad winter last year up in Alaska, so two bad winters in a row. A lot of sheep die off. And then the guy I was sheep hunting with, my par sheep hunting partner, he was trying to get up there in the summer and scout it, and it just never happened because the weather was so bad. It rained pretty much from 4th of July till after sheep season, I think. So Being able to draw that tag, and it, I think it is kind of nice, like you said, you don't have that you know, like hush hush of where you're going and what you're doing. And I think honestly, that's part of the stressful part about hunting for me is just like almost the secrecy of the public land that you're on, you know? Well, and social media and technology has ruined that. Like 15 years ago, people didn't have Onyx and Go Hunt and Instagram. So it was all just map and, you know, secrets passed down from generations to generations. Now you just get on your phone and look up all the areas, you know, and have so much technology. So it's a good and bad thing, you know. Do you feel like that tag was all that you thought it was going to be? Or did you have some kind of regrets about that specific area? No. So, like, I've always wanted to hunt you guys' range. I've hunted the uh, Alaska range, Brooks range, Talkeetna range, North Wrangles, South Wrangles, um, just trying to check off all the ranges. Uh, I like hunting a different spot every year. Maybe that's a disadvantage to me but i like seeing new country i'd rather hunt a new spot every year and not be successful than hunt the same area so i was super excited to go see the chugash mountains and heard so much about it read so much about them so how challenging they are and how steep they are walk us through how that went from boots on the ground until you guys were walking out um so we got dropped off and then we hiked up into uh we had the Peters Creek tag, so we went, instead of going up the 18-mile trail of Peters Creek through the four-wheeler trail, we went up the backside and crossed over a mountain through a saddle, and we saw some rams not in our unit on the way in, so we were pretty excited about that. We're like, oh, that's a good ram, you know, that's probably 39-inch ram, and I think we saw 10 rams going in, and then we hiked up into our unit, and as soon as we got into our unit, we saw two other people, and we're like, shit, um, but we were ahead of them about a mile, so we weren't too worried about that. And that was the 9th of August. So we're just like, well, we're ahead of them. We kind of have the upper hand. We'll just keep hunting. So we hiked in. We actually found the ram I shot the 9th. That night, the fog broke. It was right in and foggy when we hiked in. And then it broke right before we set up camp. And we checked that ram out. We knew it was heavy. Um, not the huge two guys ram that I was looking for. You know, I just wanted this, just that monster. 40 plus inch ram that everyone else wants out of the shoe guys range but it dropped deep and so we looked at that and then watched him at like 600 yards that night and then opening day we got up above him and then looked at him again we're at 400 yards and looked at him we're like then eh, we didn't draw this tag just to shoot this so we're like we'll let him go we'll go find something bigger and then uh so we hiked for the next five days we hunted pretty much the back of our unit all the way up to the glacier. So we couldn't go anymore. And we're like, and then it rained so much that we couldn't really cross the river safely. So like, well, what do we do? You know, we'll have to hike back out to cross the river to get to the other side of our unit. So like, well, we might as well go to see if we can find that ram again. And we were thinking there was going to be a gut pile because there was hunters behind us. So there's six tags in that area. And then we hiked up and found them that night. Um, well, not, excuse me, not that night. The hiked up to where we thought he was. It got fogged in, so we camped and woke up in the morning. And we were camped about 800 yards away from him when the fog cleared. 
So then we had to flip a um, jet boil lid to see who was going to shoot him because we didn't decide that before. So, so how'd that work out? I remember that story. Worked out really well for me, not very well for Dom. But <laughs> so then we came up over the ridge and he was about 400 yards away on some pretty steep stuff. And we were just watching. There was two rams there, so we knew. We found the one ram, the one that was sublegal, and then uh, we were just waiting. We found him, and then they kind of moved up into an area, and we were able to just come around this little knob out of sight to 240 yards, and it was pretty awesome. I wish we filmed it. We totally should have. I just, I'm not big into that stuff, as you know. So, yeah, we just shot him at 240 yards, and he dropped. He didn't take one step, and it was perfect. Nice bench he was on, super easy, not steep, didn't roll at all. So. That worked out really well. And then we just had a six mile pack out, which is pretty easy. So you have been hearing a lot of buzz, probably like most people who are attuned to the sheep hunting in Alaska about there being a lot of younger rams killed um, and people that just not seeing a lot of mature rams right now, both from winter kill and, you know, all, all the different factors. Right. But you recently listened to the, um, the board of game meeting and they were talking about this. So what was your take and what is your take in your experience on the upcoming changes? I was really surprised at the amount of sublegal rams there was. There was 26 sublegal rams taken this year and 11 of them were from guided hunters. Now it's not always on the guides. Sometimes the clients don't listen to the guides or they shoot the wrong ram. It does happen, but yeah, that's a lot of 26 rams sublegal is I think there's people trying to be successful and have the, the grip and grin picture. So they're just, and they fly in, they're spending a lot of money, a lot of time off away from family. Like I totally get all that, but um, yeah, I just need to make sure what they're shooting. So we didn't see a lot of legal rams. We only saw one other legal ram on that hunt and there was two other hunters on it. So we just let them, go on it and they ended up screwing up and pushing the ram way up high on the mount rumble which you're not gonna they call it the wall so you're not gonna go up there and get it so they kind of screwed themselves out of that ram but that was the only other legal ram in that unit that we saw and we covered pretty well the whole unit um because we had two tags so we saw a lot of sheep though there was 30 rams in there and it's not a very big unit so there'll be rams the next couple of years I think a lot of it is, you know, just winter kill. Um, there's 18 tags in that unit, so it's hard to judge off of that. That's a lot of hunters. I think there's too many hunters in that unit. I think there should be, you know, maybe 10 tags in that unit instead of 18. Um, I thought you said that there were six a minute ago. Well, there's six in my tag on my in your hunt. Okay. So we had the first hunt, and then there's two other hunts after that, and that was part of the reason. I shot that ram and that's the downside of the draw because we figured he was eight or nine. Um, and then we watched him and, you know, we passed him up opening day and we went back on the fifth day and shot him. But on a, you know, if we flew into an area that was kind of like exclusively our area, or at least we thought it was, or we hiked into an area, we probably would let him go another year because he was just a freaking stud. He was seven years old, 38 and an eighth inch and 14 and a half inch bases. I mean, He's 163 and six. He's making awards Boone and Crockett right now to seven year old. So at a nine year old, he would have been a Booner, no problem. Mm -hmm. So, but knowing there's a 1% chance of drawing that tag and there was, you know, 12 hunters coming right behind me, I was super happy to take him. He's actually my biggest ram I've 
shot. So awesome. Yeah. Um, so what do you feel like in your opinion, based on what you know, as a hunter, uh, what changes do you think should be made to the sheep hunting in Alaska? I think they need to cap the amount of non-residents. So watching that board of game meeting, I was surprised to see there's about an average of 500 non-residents sheep hunters every year in Alaska for the past 20 years, but they're killing half of the amount of rams because they're guide. You know, right. they're going guides, and guides are good at hunting. You know, props to the guides. They're like 70 percent success rate, which is crazy high when i think the residents are 20 percent, maybe 25 percent success rate and every other state has a 10 percent cap on non-residents and alaska doesn't it's you know there's this year i think there was 2,000 sheep hunters total and 500 of those were non-residents or they should go to emergency closures like they do with the goats here in sitka um they have subunits and then they just close them down as they re- reach their quota so maybe get rid of the 30-day reporting, go to a three-day reporting after success, and then close units down. I think still give people the opportunity to hunt. You know, I don't want to restrict anyone's hunting. And I don't like closing because I think that's a slippery slope, closing units down or closing hunting down. Because we're just, we're fighting every day for a hunting, right? So. And I totally agree with you. If you end up, you know, say we're going to close sheep hunting down for two years. Well, what happens if those winners are really bad winners, you know, or there's not, you know, there's not a lot of lambs. Are they going to say, Oh, well, we really need three years, you know? And I agree that that is a very slippery slope. Um, but something I do feel like, even as somebody who's very green into the sheep hunting, like I can definitely tell. And it's a big deal to be losing, you know, 90% winter kill is a huge number. Oh, absolutely. So when you're dealing with an environment that has such nasty winters, you know, you have to think about all of the different factors, predation, winter, you know, all of, all of the things people taking sublequal, um, out of there as well. So, um, yeah, something's definitely gonna have to be done. And I know that anytime I jump online, it it's within two swipes, I've probably seen something, you know, people complaining or talking about sheep hunting. So it's something people love to do. You know, and I know some of the guides, you know, that reputable guides, they're already saying they're just self-regulating. They're saying, hey, we're not going to take as many sheep hunters the next couple of years. This is just on us. And so I respect them for doing that, you know, instead of just being money hungry and just taking totally. people's money, knowing there's not rams in their unit. Um, they have guide use areas, you know, several guides that have flown their areas and say, yeah, I flew the whole area and I'm not seeing illegal rams. So they're not even taking sheep hunters for the next couple of years, which is the right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, and to some degree, I feel like we kind of made one of those decisions too, where just looking at all the factors, the weather that had been coming through Alaska, it was just going to be miserable. And from everything that I had heard, people were just like, yeah, we're just not seeing the rams that we're wanting to see. And I think that was one of the factors that we kind of just decided we were going to switch gears um, on the trip that we went up there. But it was kind of hard switching gears going from, you know, since January, essentially we planned or February, we planned that we were going to go sheep hunting. Um, and to switch that kind of abruptly, I think was, it kind of threw me off my game. I don't know if you can say it threw you off kind of how you went into that hunt. Oh, definitely. Because I'm a planner, like I'm planning two years out from now, like what our hunts are going to be. So when it changes kind of the last minute, yeah, it definitely put me out of my element and what I'm used to. Normally I'm studying maps and which way we're going in and what our hunt plan. 
And even when we were still in the mode of planning for the sheep hunt, we didn't know where we were going. You know, we were looking at a bunch of different things, also keeping an eye on the weather and kind of getting reports from what boots had been on the ground and what we had heard. Um, but we still weren't solidified in where we were going to go. Um, which, yeah, like for you, you're always on maps, you're planning it out, you know, when we're going to get there and go up and how we're going to go. And so um, to give a little context to this for people that might not know, but we were going to go on a sheep hunt, my first sheep hunt, I've been on a couple, but never been the tag holder. Um, and then when basically, when when I got up there to Alaska, when you and I met in Anchorage, it kind of got flipped then. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast was because I came home from that hunt really disappointed and not disappointed because we didn't tag anything, but disappointed because I feel like we made decisions on that hunt that really screwed us up both in time and opportunity. Absolutely. So one of the things that I think was really important, actually, maybe we should just start by recapping what that was. And I'm going to let you take a, take the floor on this and, just run with it. Recap that whole experience from basically us touching down in Anchorage to us getting to where we were going to walk in. So we got to Anchorage, getting not good reports, no sheep, lots of hunters, people seeing, you know, parties of nine people, even at nine different groups of hunters. So kind of discouraging for that. Um, We had two friends just get caribou and they're like, oh, the caribou are there. You know, we could go get caribou. So that was kind of exciting for us. We're like, yeah, we could do that. We're just here for we're here for a good time. You know, we just want to go hunt and explore and do whatever. So <clears throat> that kind of turned everything, changed the hunt there to go towards caribou mindset. And then we're just like, oh, we could go caribou, moose, grizzly bear, wolf. We could do all the things. And then we can still sheep hunt. So yeah, it's great. Everyone's gonna have a good time. So then we drive a thousand miles to go caribou hunting and it just, we didn't have a plan is that we, I think having a bunch of tags is a great thing to have, but you have to have a target species. And as we were going in, you know, caribou hunting, we see a beautiful grizzly bear and then it just switched. We're like, Oh bear, that's our target. But it wasn't really our target because we didn't stay there and hunt the bear. We were still chasing caribou three days later. So we were very indecisive, which is strange for you and I, because we're very decisive people, I feel like. I think that's one of the reasons that I came home so disappointed, because it was so out of character for us in the fact that it just kind of was a free-for-all. And in all fairness, life has been very crazy, and we had just kind of almost, I shouldn't say we, I definitely was there for the checkout for the just kind of mental solitude of being in the mountains. And so I think I was a little more okay with whatever happened because I was just giving real life a break for a minute. But I absolutely think, and it's, I've always said to myself, like, it's ideal. Like, let me just be in a target rich environment where I have, you know, a couple different tags. So if I see, you know, this species, I can have an opportunity. If I see this, I can have an opportunity. But I really do feel like it was a detriment to the hunt overall, because just like you said, there was just this almost like ADHD kind of like hunting mode going on, like, oh, squirrel, you know, like we could do whatever. And so if you don't really have something you're going after, just kind of being okay with whatever comes through probably isn't going to work out super well. 
Granted, the grizzly bear could have got killed, but he didn't. And I don't, it just wasn't meant to be apparently. But one of the things that I was thinking about, so we had hiked in, I don't know, like five miles maybe to the first spot. And, um, you know, camped out a couple days. We're waiting on that grizzly bear to come back out. And in all fairness, we did pass those, the opportunity to go after that first group of caribou with the small bulls. And I just said, that's not, I'm not really here for, you know, it's not totally just a meat run. Um, so we passed up on that and just kind of stayed and hunkered in with the rain and stuff. But, um, then we made the decision in a couple days to hike out of there after looking on Onyx and finding a spot that we were going to go and hopefully get in front of the caribou who had heard. And I think that that really was a good idea, but not a good plan based on the limited information that we had. Like, yes, if we're seeing these caribou and they're all going this direction, like, let's try to go get in front of them. But that's not always like, yeah, that's great in the grand scheme of things, but you can't always make action on that plan. No, especially without knowing the country, you know, we were kind of just going blind and then we went for a, what, 15 mile hike through nasty ass swamp and it was just a miserable day. It was, it was pretty gross. I still blame Zach for anybody that's watched the video. It's on the Her Outdoor Journey YouTube channel and it's totally a joke, but in my life, I like to blame anybody for everything except, you know, it's mostly kidding. And the entire time we blame Zach for everything. Yeah. I'm sure it was his fault. Love Absolutely. you, Zach. Love you, Zach. Um, but yeah, so we, we got, we came out. So we hiked that five miles out, try to go in, walked the swamp the whole way. So fun. Swamps are great. And it was kind of a bummer because what Onyx showed on the map wasn't consistent with what was there. And I'm not sure where that discrepancy was. Obviously those things happen, but it, we thought we were going to be going through pretty much open tundra, you know, marshy a little bit here and there, but it looked open. And what we got to was just flat out timber. So I think the trees were a little bit smaller than Onyx. I didn't have the high resolution downloaded on my Onyx. I only had the, I believe the low resolution. So I couldn't see all that black spruce that was in there. So then at that time, you know, you're going, okay, we're going to be 11 or 12 miles into where we're going to start hunting. How far do I really want to pack out an animal? You know, and it was a little defeating that day getting in there and realizing like, we have to turn around, you know, it's this, it's just not going to put us where we want to be. You said you're sure as hell not sleeping in the swamp that night. I sure as hell wasn't going to sleep in that swamp. And so you just have to make the decision to come back out. And that was honestly kind of hard. Well, I feel like we're on a time crunch too. We're like, we're going to waste the night if we sleep in here. Let's just do hike it back out, whether we hike out in the dark, whatever, get back to the rig and then go with plan whatever F we were at at that point. And then we got back right about the time it started dumping rain again. And it just, it was like one of those things because looking back at the video that's on YouTube, I'm like, man, it looks like we had such nice weather and we did have some good weather for sure. But I feel like it was so intermittent with just downpours. I mean, pretty consistent with what it had been doing since what August or July. So it was definitely wet. Um, but no, so then we went back, camped in the truck that night and decided we're going back into where we've been seeing animals. You know, we know that there's at least bear in there that we could kill. Maybe there will be some caribou that come through. So we <laughs> hiked back into what we had hiked out of a day and a half before. And 
I, I honestly, sometimes I just like think about this whole experience. I'm like, it seems as though this was our first experience hunting, (laughs) you know, like we were just such rookies at the entire thing. What was your biggest takeaway from that whole experience? Have a plan set in place. And then if you have multiple tags, have it target species and stick with that target species until an opportunity for another species presents itself. Cause I think we were getting too sidetracked on different things. Cause it was like caribou, brown bear. Oh, there's a black bear. Let's go chase that. Yeah. Now we're black bear hunting now. So yeah, just turn the ADHD down and freaking just focus <laughs> on, on just tar- target that species. Okay. So now what was your favorite part about the hunt? When we hiked back in there the second time, and we're like, oh, there's a hunter there. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. So he's by himself. And then we kind of pass him, and then he catches back up with this. And he was a 73-year-old, silver hair, just tough-as-nails guy, just out there several miles in, just living life at his finest. You know, he was just, I think we asked him what he was hunting, and he's like, meat, you know, and he didn't care. He was just um just enjoying the day and yeah that was probably the highlight just talking to him getting to experience that with him and you know he said he moved to alaska when he's 21 he's 52 years pretty much up in the bush just living there and super nice guy he's even busting zach's ball so it was pretty funny yeah he was pretty cool to talk to it just it's for me it was cool seeing such remote places you know being up where we were um kind of want that life you know where you're just you're just in it there's no you don't go to the store really you just you 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 rely on yourself and your people and kind of stay in your own lane and it's absolutely gorgeous up there and you know of, of course one of my favorite things is always just the escape you know just being submerged into the part of nature that just doesn't give a shit about you that's my yep. favorite part yeah, you're just, you're insignificant. Well, that's not even true. You are significant. You could be something, you know, you know yeah. like you're just a part of the whole ecosystem out there. And uh, yeah, I really dig that a lot. I crave that. And I think I'm going to get a, a decent dose of that on Kodiak. Yeah, I'm super jealous. Can't wait for you to go. What are you looking forward to most when you retire? <laughs> <laughs> Being able to go hunting with you more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, oh, we need to go do mule deer tags next year. We need to do antelope. We could do all the things because I'm going to be unemployed and not have a job. So, Unemployed and not have a job. <laughs> Don't listen to him. He's going to have so many things on his to-do list. He will have plenty of jobs. Yeah, the honey-do list. The honey-do list. Yeah. Yeah. Free me up so I can do more things. Yeah. No, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most, though. Just going out taking the boys out hunting and just go exploring and try to find maybe I'll, maybe I'll moose hunt in the same spot every year. I don't know. Maybe I get a sheep hunt in different spots and we'll focus on moose hunting in the same spot every year. Yeah. Well, you have to take me elk hunting too. You owe me. I'm working on it. You're working on it. Ooh, <laughs> something to report later. Yeah. So compare Kodiak to Sitka. What is that like? What are the differences that you have experienced? It's all perspective. When I first got to Kodiak, my first time hunting, I was like, you know, going from Oregon, Pennsylvania hunting. I got to Kodiak. I was like, oh, this place is amazing. It's so hard to hunt. It's so steep. And then I got to Baranoff to Sitka. I was like, 
Kodiak looks like a freaking bunny slope compared to this place. Like, this is double diamond, and that's a bunny slope. Like, I didn't think it could be this hard to hunt. You know, the people that hunt here regularly in Southeast, they're just freaking tough. Like, Kodiak, you have a thousand feet of alders to break through, and then you're in Alpine, and then you could cruise. Most of it, you could run ridges. But down in Sitka, it's 25 to 3,000 feet to break out of Alpine. And then once you get an alpine, you can maybe go one mountain and then you're cliffed out. It's just so bluffy and steep. And we just had a, we rescued a guy, well, we didn't rescue, we recovered a guy two weeks ago, goat hunting, he fell and died, um, fell 300 feet. But it's so wet here. Like Kodiak, you can walk on grass, get a micro spike. You're like, all right, I'm good. If I'm on grass, like that's simply the rule of thumb in Kodiak. If you're walking on grass, you can walk on it. You know, it's stable ground. You're not going to go anywhere. But in Sitka, you could be walking on grass and the you just kind of landslides out from underneath you. You just, the footing just gives way and it's so slick. And that's what happened to that guy. The, there was a, the hunting partner found the trekking pole and then saw two boots sliding off the cliff and he fell 300 feet. So yeah, it's, if everyone likes cutting a Kodiak, they should definitely come to Sitka and try it out. It's a whole new perspective on things well i hear people say all the time like i really want to come hunt sitka you know or i'd love to come up there and hunt sitka sometimes and it kind of blows my mind because i've seen parts of it and i've hunted parts of it and i'm like this place is miserable like it's gorgeous it's it's beautiful i honestly feel like you're in like the set of jurassic park or something but ever it's on top of having like blow down you just have layers and layers and layers that are on top of rocks that are shifting and it's just all steep like there's nothing there that's just easy in my opinion no it's yeah i just went on a goat hunt what a couple weeks ago and it was i was a mile from saltwater and i was at 4000 feet like it is just straight up it's so steep and just like you were saying so thick and you're just walking on blow down after blow down yeah well, I was kind of bummed. I was supposed to go on a goat hunt this year, which was actually the hunt I was looking forward to the very most because I love goats. Um, but that didn't happen for, for several reasons, uh, which we won't get into really. But I'm glad that you got to go out. You actually took my new uh, Vergara MG light rifle out there and whacked one. And you said, what did you say? Died too quick? Took a little spill? It did quick, yeah. I did a two-day... Kind of, we had a weather window for two days on the weekend, and I didn't want to take any leave, so we did a 24 mile, 48 hour goat hunt. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So walk, <laughs> yeah. walk us through that. From you know, I think sometimes people think you know you're just kind of on land and you're you know you go out to wherever you're going to hunt. And Sitka is so different because there's no roads, there's no access. So in order to to do most of the hunting there, you're on you're on a boat. So walk us through what that was like in that two-day hunt. Uh, we took the boat out Saturday morning. It poured, like, I think three inches on Friday. So we took the boat out Saturday morning, and we were going to walk up this creek, and it was flooded so bad. And I just had hip boots, and then the uh, guy I was with had a pair of waders. So it was just a challenge. I didn't think we were actually going to get in there because it was flooding so bad. I'd have to find logs across the creek. I mean, normally it's just the creek. You can walk through with extra tufts or muck boots. and it was chest high water. So just getting up there was a challenge in itself. Um, but then once we got up there, hiked up Saturday night, got to the top. And then as luck would have it, as soon as we got to the top, it fogged in on us. So we're like, all right, well, 
that's the end of our hunt for the day. And so we went back to camp. Saturday morning, we're kind of time crunched. We're only like two days. I, we had to be at work on Monday. And uh, get up 5.30, start hiking up over the mountain again. Kind of knew where the goats were going to be. And then uh, got over the top, saw a bunch of nannies and kids. And then we saw a lone goat. And he was at 600 yards or so. So like, ah, it's kind of a manageable spot. Should be able to recover it. So we worked down to, we got to 340 yards. And I was like, and then the goats started moving as we were going down. So it was getting into an area where it was going to be really bad. It's just so steep. There's 2,000 foot sheer cliffs and just a spot where we wouldn't be able to shoot it or recover it. So I was like, all right, this is going to be the spot. We'll just take it right here. And normally goats are pretty tough pound for pound, but that, uh, that Bagara did a number. It shot it and it just fell straight back. I needed to take like two steps and it just knocked it stone dead. So it went for a little tumble down the hill. So we had to go recover the goat, but we made it down safe. And then uh, it was so thick though. We had to go like a mile through Salmonberry head high with a goat on her back. And then it was getting dark on us and we didn't want to come off the mountain in the dark. So I got on my inreach and just text my boss. I was like, Hey, we're going to stay out here for the night. We'll be in work a little late Monday morning. So. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get back into the show, have you had the chance to check out Baku e-bikes? If you're ready to add some fun to your hunts and make getting to and from your hunting spot a little faster and easier, go take a test ride on one of these electric bikes at the Baku headquarters in Ogden, Utah. Just be aware, your hunts are about to be a lot more fun. Use the code HEROUTDOORJOURNEY to save $300 at checkout. That's B-A-K-C-O-U.com typically worry about you when you're out hunting but i did on that trip just because it's just it's so so steep there it was gorgeous up there the videos and stuff that you sent me were were really cool oh yeah the weather was phenomenal like it was perfect weather it was sunny no wind you know we had that little bit of fog the first night but yeah i wish we had some more time to actually hunt a little bit it felt like seems like everything i've been doing lately in life just a race to get things done you know just hurry 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 so one of the coolest videos that you sent me, actually, there was two really cool videos from that for a guy that doesn't take videos. Good job, baby. Um, but one was that raven that kept following you guys up the mountain. That was cool. I'll actually have to post that on social media so people can see it. But And I wish I did a better job because like, he followed me for like probably a thousand yards. I was ahead and I was waiting on my Tito. He's coming behind me. So I was like, wait for him be like come on let's go and then that raven was just hanging out like 10 yards away from me and then i'd start walking and then fly around and come land like 10 yards away and he's like just squawking at me it was pretty cool the second video that was really awesome was the one of the bear trap so something that i've heard and you've now showed me is that um those big grizz will just they'll, they'll put basically they'll walk in the same footsteps for years and years and years yeah, they wear the tracks in the ground. And I've actually seen bears, they'll walk up to it, you know, they'll come up perpendicular to it. And then they'll find those and they'll just get in them and they'll step exactly in the footprints and they'll just walk in them. And it's, I believe it's a scent thing is why they're doing it, okay. is to kind of get their scent there. I haven't heard scent. What I think I have heard in the past is it's uh, a dominance thing. Well, and I think that's 
why yes i agree i think it's dominus but i think it's dominus by putting their scent on top of it so they're like walking the trail and like, yeah so interesting these like intricacies that animals do and know how to do and you know it's just the hierarchy of the animal you know it's pretty neat yeah that's awesome so what was your favorite thing on that hunt in a weird way going through the salmon berry for a mile it's i just <laughs> You're so strange. I enjoyed the the struggle of it. Like I, I feel like I didn't get that on the sheep hunt. It was challenging and hard, but I enjoy like that physical, mental struggle. And then our hunt, we didn't really have that because there was just no packing out. So right. there's no like. So I just yeah, it sucks. I hated it, but at the same time, like I was like, oh, that's cup filling. Yeah. Like I got my ass kicked. That was great. Yeah, the struggle sometimes is the suck i should say something i look forward to yep but salmonberry that's a little bit <laughs> yeah you just get hit in the face and then get pissed off then you go 20 more yards and then yeah it's a good time what's your favorite hunt that you've ever been on sheep hunting for sure um to pick a specific one Probably my first one, because it's just something I never thought that was obtainable. You know, growing up in Pennsylvania, I was like, like I'm never gonna be punk. That's out of my realm. I can't do that. I don't have the funds to do that or the means to do that. But yeah, flying in the Brooks Range the first time that was pretty awful. So you have, to some degree, the luxury of being able to shoot hunt because you are um, active duty and you are in Alaska resident yeah. for somebody who's still in that mentality of, you know, the Pennsylvania you where it was unattainable. What would be your like suggestions or push for them to make it attainable? If this is truly a dream for them. Life is too short. Just move here, become your resident in a year. You can leave whatever job, find another job. And that if you're in finance or whatever, construction you could find a job here doing that and if it doesn't work out you could always go back just take chances have you adopted more of that mentality in the more recent part of your life or have you always had that mentality probably more recent i think after you know maturing and then just seeing how short life is you know should i remember I used to think my uncle was old when he was 32. and <laughs> Now you're way older than that. Now I pass that, and I still feel young. So, yeah. But, yeah, no, life's too short. Just, you got to go. That's why I made you go to Kodiak. You know, you were kind of hesitant to go. I was like, nope. I'm sending you on this trip. You need to go do it and experience it. Totally. And I, I agree 100%. I, I feel like you and I are aligning more and more on that all the time about this whole, like, life is too short not to do the damn thing. And, you know, really, that's one of the reasons I enjoy sharing my experiences so much and having this podcast is because I'm just a girl doing the thing that other people want to do, too. You just got to do it. You just got to, yeah. you know, make the time, plan, you know, budget, whatever it is, like, start small start by hunting out of state which is what i did i went to idaho a few times and that to me as a girl that grew up hunting mule deer in eastern oregon her entire life and only mule deer it just seemed like such a big thing to go hunt elk 
in Idaho, you know, and then once you do that a couple times, you should figure out like, yeah, there's a lot to other states sometimes and figuring out the different regulations and, you know, tag application or over the counter stuff. Like it can be a little bit to understand it, but it's not as hard as people. No, and I think we we prioritize adventure and that lifestyle over luxury stuff. You know, like we'd much rather go on trips and go hunt different states and different species than have a nicer cars or, you know, have a side by side or something like that. Like that's just what what our priorities are. Yeah, it definitely is. I know when I look at where money goes, I'm like, oh, airfare, hello, Alaska Airlines. Yeah, and hunting. (laughs) hunting that's pretty much you know what it is and it's a great thing for us because you know we get to loop our our kids into that and you know, Gabe especially is really hungry for all things outdoors and you know it's just a pleasure to be able to nurture that because he loves it so much um but yeah you if you know if hunting is something that you want to do or hunting alaska or adventuring in alaska is something that you want to do it's just a matter of making it happen because the longer you say you know someday farther it actually is here the farther it actually is and um you know i love my parents dearly but the one thing i would say about them that that makes me sad is that all they know is home and work and for some people that's what they what they want and that's great but you know it's hard to watch them pass up things because they don't feel like they can do it when they absolutely you know absolutely um, and I'm hoping that as retirement hits them, they'll be able to go do some more of those things. But I really do believe that if you keep saying someday, the someday probably won't happen. So get off your ass and make it happen. Absolutely. Spice up your life a little bit. Speaking of which, um, you recently have just gotten your, your captain's license. Congratulations, my love. Thank you. Yeah. So what are you planning to do with that? Oh, I don't know. I just figured since I'm going to be unemployed here next summer and not have a job, I better start something. I got my captain's license, got my six-pack license, going to work on my 100-ton license here, and then hopefully start maybe chartering and maybe guiding a little bit up in Alaska. What would you like to guide? Bear, even though that's not your number one pick, but bear, caribou, moose. I like to keep sheep for myself. I'm a little selfish with that. You're very selfish with that. Don't even and get started. I, I like going. I just like being in the mountains. I enjoy that. It kind of comes natural to me being in that environment. So yeah, I enjoy the technical climbing. I kind of, I don't know. There's pleasure in it. So you're going to do some guiding. Yes. You can do some chartering. What are you going to do this summer? This summer we have our Sitka women's camp going on. So. I'll be chartering two of the days on that. I got the boat and uh, so we'll be taking out some ladies on that, doing some, showing them around sick of sound and doing some fishing. Yeah, it's actually making me really happy hearing you talk about it. That trip is going to be so much fun. And I think one of the things that I'm so excited about is getting to show other people how beautiful Sitka is. I know I do complain about it a lot and mostly I complain because you're there and you're not home. Um, but Sitka is stunning and the fishing is pretty phenomenal. And it's not like, you know, obviously the weather can be bad in Sitka and the water can be rough in Sitka, but most of the time that we're out there fishing, it's like you're in a lake. Yeah. Which is pretty dang nice when you're on the ocean and you're getting super calm water. And I feel like the pictures and videos just don't do 
any of Alaska justice. Like you like show someone a picture, you're like, oh yeah, that's nice. It's just a hill. Like no, that's a three thousand foot mountain. Like coming out of the ocean, it's freaking beautiful. Yeah, and we kind of have uh, the fishing down a little bit, so understanding the fisheries a little bit better will help us put people on on good fish. And gosh, it was fun. I never thought I would be interested in being like a fishing guide or you know, anything to that degree, but having uh, my uncle Rick and stuff come up and having them on the boat. And like, I don't even think I, you know, I fished a bit here and there and whatever, but it was so fun for me just watching them like little kids pull out these monster fish, you know, and just, they were just jacked on it. So excited. I so much when I was in Kodiak, you know, I worked for Mel at Kodiak Island Adventures and I loved it because you were fulfilling people's dreams. It was, you know, like I didn't care to reel in any fish. I'd much rather see people like just reeling in these monster halibut or salmon and just have these huge grins on their face. You know, you could just see their dreams coming true. They've always thought about going to Alaska fishing and totally. just being able to that was so much fun. Well, Alaska truly is a dream. It truly is a dream for people. Like I know gobs and gobs of people that are like someday it's on my bucket list that I would just want to go and experience Alaska. So you've been a resident for what, 11 years. You've seen quite a bit of Alaska. If somebody was just wanting to like, all right, I just want to go experience it. What would you say they should start with? What are some, some options for them? I think Denali in September is pretty awesome. It's pretty spectacular going, taking the bus out. Uh, for hunting wise, Kodiak is hard. Kodiak is hard to beat. It's phenomenal hunting. It's so much fun. You'll see, you know, you can see 50 to hundred deer a day. Um, it's just so much fun seeing so much game. Uh, fishing southeast is pretty phenomenal. It's nice here because we have so much protected water and islands, so you don't have to get the you know the big swells like you do in Kodiak or get beat up fishing like you do in Kodiak. You can always find an island to hide behind and you know catch nice fish. Hey, now I want your attention. Psych me up for Kodiak. Like, what am I going to experience? Okay, so I'm I'm really excited because we're going to get on a little bush plane and we're going to fly in, which is super fun. You haven't been on a float plane before, have you? I haven't, no. So that'll be a new experience for you. Okay, so walk me through it. Psych me up. What's going to happen? Yeah, well, hopefully you fly in with no no weather issues or delays. That's always a challenge with Kodiak. But no, you'll go down to, you're going to fly down to the south end and then get kicked out on the beach. And you're going to have a week to go chase deer around and fend the bears off. So no, it's going to be pretty awesome for you. So I could become bear ship. Could be. I've actually come to terms with that. If that's God's plan, that's God's plan. There's nothing you can do about it. I just hope it's quick. I think it's going to be really fun. You know, what's crazy is that I feel like Alaska is like a gateway drug. It really is. And almost every one of like the first of the hunts that I've been on, like the first sheep hunt, has been just this random invitation from almost a stranger. You know? Yep. Kind of crazy. Like talk about living, living in the moment. I'm excited to hear your perspective of Kodiak when you get back, because I think you you've been up in the Sheep Mountains, you've been the southeast to Sitka, so it's different than both of those. So I'm excited to hear what you think of it. I'm hoping you love it, but we'll see. Excited for you to go to Kodiak. I can't wait to hear all the adventures and stories and pictures. It'll be pretty cool. I'm hoping the weather's clear when you're flying in. You're flying out. It's spectacular. Pretty. Oh, yeah. It's going to look barren compared to Sitka because there's, there's just not a lot of spruce like that. You know, there's only spruce right by the town of Kodiak. There's no spruce on the south side. 
it's probably like once you get 20 miles south of town, there's no spruce. So here's a question for you. Um, at what point when the bears are around, do I want to be like, hey, bear, not today? Um, I'd say, well, it depends on the situation. If they're 100 yards and walking away, I wouldn't say anything. I would just sit there and watch them, you know, and let them walk away. They're, they're just bears doing their thing. They don't really want to bother you. They don't want to be dealt with. Um, and for good thing for you, it's already bear season right now in Kodiak, so they're already getting you know, hunters are on them and pushing them and stuff. So they're going to start turning nocturnal. Uh, all the big boars will turn nocturnal here in the next week or so. But a uh, hundred yards, I'd say I've called before calling deer in and have a bear come. And then, you know, about a hundred yards and I'm like, all right, that's good zone to kind of say, Hey bear, you know, let them know you're there and then see what they do and how they respond to that. Um, I wouldn't let them get to like 30 yards and then, that's too close. Then you're just asking for a bad situation. Yeah. So how do you effectively hunt deer there without, I mean, here's the thing, like a lot of times when you're obviously hunting deer, you're trying to be quiet, you know, you're going through their quiet. Typically when you're in bear country, you're trying to get loud so that, you know, you don't walk right up on them. Where is that happening to them? Yeah, no, I mean, I've hunted there a lot by myself, but I just, you girls stay together and just hunt and you'll be fine. You know, they're, they're not white-tailed deer. They're not going to go running off as soon as they see you. You have time and stuff. So just like anything else, get the wind in your face, hunt the wind, and you'll be fine. All right, my love. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast. And hopefully you'll have some good reports coming back to Kodiak. And you need to hurry the hell up and get retired so we can go live our life. I'm working on it. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.